Free Methodist Church based on the arts, based on, of course, those of you who know Jason and Jennifer aren't surprised, and they're going to tell you all about that next week. I think it's going to be a great time. That Plus, we will also start a whole new sermon series next week just about practical Christianity. We're going to try to move out of the theoretical realm of Christianity. Yes, much of what Christianity we believe is theoretical, which just means I can't prove it to you. It's a theory. But so much of Christianity is also practical. So if you have people in your life that are looking at serious issues, all the way from, say, addiction and depression and grief and the other things that we go through in our life, does the Word of God and does Christianity have anything to say to them right now, today? And that will be, starting next week for the rest of the summer, a guide to practical Christianity. That begins next week as well. And so we hopefully will invite you back to be part of that, along with the other 150 people who will be here because of the camp out. We were doing an addition. Not only do we have about 90 to 100 people there, but the bus didn't run today because, of course, we don't have bus drivers. And so there was another 15 or 20. And plus, there's some children's ministries. Normally, you know, we have... Well, actually, last week, I think in our children's department alone, we had 60 or 70 children. Today, yeah, isn't that great? That's wonderful. Today, we'll have about six or seven. And so it's, it's about 150 to 160 or more people that aren't here because of the camp out. But that's all right. We're fine. It's great to be here. It's great to see you all here. But this is something that I want to share with you, kind of a, a mid-year checkup, if you will. Um, I've already told you that the kitchen is coming right along, and we appreciate the money that was donated for that kitchen project. We're not taking money out of our tithes and offerings. And as we told you a couple of weeks ago, we believe in what we call two basic types of giving. There's the giving to those special projects, and many of us give to those special projects, like the kitchen, other things that happen with the building, because those are the things that we need to get done, but we don't want to take tithes and offerings from that. We don't want to take money that's donated on a regular basis. That's the second type of giving that we do. It's uh, the giving that we do on a regular Sunday to Sunday basis, and it comes from our regular income. All right? That's That's how we fund the ministries of the church, is through our regular giving, not other special giving. The special giving and the money that was donated to these projects doesn't go in to pay salaries or ministries. It goes in back into the facility, and we don't want to take money from our regular giving to go into the facility. That's the way that it works around here. In just the next few days, as a matter of fact, you'll be receiving a mid-year financial letter from us that'll just remind us of where we are and, and how much each of us have been able to contribute to the ministries of the church. And then just a reminder also that we have ongoing ministries. While it'll be fun to see the kitchen done, And we're looking at putting in a a covered entry and so many other things are going to happen over this next year. Those are great things to see, but they're not ministry. They're just things. They're building. Ministry, day in and day out, week in and week out, that's why we are here. That's all funded through those regular tithes and offerings. And so it occurred to me then, this is a good Sunday for what I would call a stewardship tune-up. And let me tell you why I think it's important today is because I haven't myself personally looked at this in a while. And I need to do this for me. So you get to listen in a little bit because we'll be seeing what the Word has to say to all of us. But but it's been a, too long since I sat down and looked at my own stewardship to say, now, am I doing what needs to be done? And before you get too panicky, stewardship involves a whole lot more than just money. So let's start today. Ready? Here you go. You have some sermon notes if you want to take a look at those and follow along. We're going to start with just a couple of questions. And here's the first question right here. Based on what I have, does my offering adequately reflect reflect my gratitude? Now, see, I've got to ask myself that question. Um, Again, it's been too long since I asked myself this question. Based on what my father's given to me, and my giving should be an expression of thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been so good to me. Is what I'm currently giving an adequate expression of my gratitude? That's a, that's a great question to start with. But there's another question as well, and it's simply this. Am I adequately sharing the blessings the Lord has given me? There's another thing, because we know that our Father gives to us 
Not so that we can just hoard it all, but so that we can bless others. There's a whole concept in Scripture called blessed to be a blessing. It all starts way back in Genesis chapters 12, and then again in Genesis chapter 14, when he comes to Abraham and he says, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your little socks right off. By the time I'm done, you're going to have so much. You're going to have so many descendants. They're going to be like the the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the sky. I'm going to give you so much, but I'm doing it so that you will bless other people. Through you, the entire world is going to be blessed. I'm not blessing you because I want you to keep it. I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. Am I adequately sharing the blessings the Lord has given to me? So now, as we think about these two questions, this is what we need to remember about with the Word of God. Ready? You all said, now you're into your sermon notes if you want to fill them in. Here we go. Here's the good news. We give according to what we have, not according to what we don't have. Isn't that good news? We don't look at each other and say, okay, you're giving more than me. Oh, I'm bad. Nor do we look at each other and say, oh, I'm giving more than you. I'm better. Okay? We don't look at each other. Because it's not based on what everybody else gives. We give based on what we already have. This is what Scripture says. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Don't go to the Lord and say, oh, I feel, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't give more. He'll say, are you giving based on what I've given you? Remember that there was a time that Jesus praised a woman because she just gave one little penny. He watched people come in and give to the temple riches upon riches upon riches, but he saved his praise for the woman who gave one penny because she gave according to what she had. The rest of them could have given a whole lot more. If Bill Gates comes to this church and he donates $10,000, we would say what? Thank you. appreciate that. Would we be doodly impressed that this multi-billionaire gave $10,000? Well, thank you. I appreciate that you did that. But there are people within this congregation who will give five bucks. And it will be a bigger percentage of their income. Our Father looks at what you have and what I have. We should be giving according to that. Not according to some standard out there or some average of what people give. Are we adequately giving based on what we have? But there's also this. We give not just out of what we have, we get out of gratitude. That's that first question I had to ask myself. Am I, does my giving reflect my gratitude? Scripture says this, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Which means simply this, when we do give, And that means whether we give of our time or we give of our talents or we give of our money, we give of our treasures, we should do so gladly, willingly. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me have the opportunity to give right back. And also this, we give to share the blessing. That's that second question I asked. Am I blessed? Am I sharing that blessing. We give out of what we have. We give out of gratitude. We give in order to share the blessing. This is what scripture says. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's the way God has created the world and created his kingdom. He doesn't just materialize resources and money and these other things for the church to spend. He says, look, I'm going to give to each person out there everything they need and more. And as each person out there learns to give collectively that more, all the ministries will be funded. That's the way it works. But there's one more thing, and it kind of brings it all into perspective, and that's where we're going to spend our time today. Okay, yeah, we, we give out of what we have. We give of gratitude. We, we give to share the blessing. But how about this? We give because we're stewards. That's the word we want to focus in on. This is the word I need to remind myself of on a constant basis, that I am a steward. 
I need this reminder. I've got to sit down with, with Linda and our finances and our time and everything else, and we have to remind ourselves, wait a minute, I am a steward. It's the key point. If we get this down, everything else about giving of our time, our talents, it all lines up. Once we get this whole concept in our mind that we are all stewards. So let's ask this question. Let's see if you can answer it. Exactly what is a steward? And here you go, multiple choice. Ready? A steward is a male stewardess. Or a steward is a cabin boy on a cruise ship. A steward is a stockbroker. Or a steward is a trustee. Which one of those do you think would be the right answer? D. You all said D, right? It's not bad, but actually I think it's C and D. Yeah, I think both of them. And I'll explain that before we're done today. You're going to understand how you are all stockbrokers for the Lord. Isn't that great? Be very good. This is what it means to be a steward, all right? Let's talk about... uh, uh, By the way, there's a whole other word for steward, and it's the word trustee. Okay? When we talk about stewards, we also talk about the word trustee. And I'm going to show you from the Word of God something that Jesus told us about being a good trustee or a good steward. And here it is. Ready? He told this wonderful story. He's, he's now talking to them about the kingdom of God and trying to get them to, ex- and to understand what the kingdom of God is really all about. And it isn't just about going to the temple. It's not about animal sacrifices, which is what they were really caught up in. He said this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent. A talent was a measure of money. Think uh, to one he gave a thousand dollars and somebody he gave a hundred bucks. A talent was just a measure. Each according to, I like this, his ability, all right? Which means, by the way, there's a reason that I don't have $50 billion. I don't have the ability for $50 billion. In fact, I'm pretty convinced that if my father allowed me to have $50 billion, my heart would probably turn against him, and he knows that. I don't know that I have what it takes to hold $50 billion without being corrupted by it. And the father isn't going to let me find out. Too bad, because let's find out. I mean, who knows? Each according to his ability and talents. There it is. Uh, Which simply means, by the way, that if you really want more, maybe one of the things we need to do is increase our ability and talents. Sometimes education, sometimes a little learning, helps us to be better. And as we are better, God blesses and we get more. Now, sometimes we go through tough times and sometimes we lose what we have and it has nothing to do with our ability or talents. It has to do with the circumstances. Yeah, that's true. But God does say that he does bless us and give us what we need according to our ability and talents. Then he went on his journey. Okay, here we go. Now, the man who received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with him. Got the picture? Okay, one guy has a bunch. He invests it, turns it into more. Another guy, not as much, but he still invests it, turns it into more. One other guy is so frightened that he digs a hole and he buries it. This way he won't lose it. Master comes back. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, well, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Good job. You, you took what I gave you and you did something with it. And that means I could trust you with a whole lot more. So well done. The man who had two talents came. Master, he said, look, you entrusted me with two talents. I've, I've gained two more. His master replied, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. As a matter of fact, let's read that together. Ready? His master replied, read it with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share. Did you notice he said the same thing to the person who only gained two as he did to the person who gained five? He didn't say to the person who gained two, come and share in, you know, two-fifths of whatever the other guy did or whatever it is, 40% or something, whatever that turns out to be. 
He didn't say, I'll bless this guy who had five more. Then I'm going to bless you because you only did two. He said exactly the same thing to the guy who gained five and the guy who gained two. Because he gave each of these according to their abilities. And according to their abilities, they gave back. And that's all he expects. He doesn't expect you to give or to be or to, to, to lead or do all the other things that somebody else might do. He doesn't say, I've given this person some, some responsibilities. I've given them great abilities over here in this one. And I expect you to do the same thing. No, he's given you certain abilities and that's all he wants back. It's just that simple. And if you're faithful, whatever abilities, whatever he's entrusted, he looks at you and says, even if I gave you one and you brought back one, well done. You did it according to your abilities. Good job. Then the man who received one talent came. <laughs> Master, I know that you're a hard man. Isn't that interesting? He was afraid. These, these other two seemed to have more of a respect. I mean, they understood their master was their master. But this guy seems to be motivated out of fear more than anything else. Harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed, which just simply means, look, I know that you have other people do these things for you. I was afraid, and I went out and hid your land, your talent in the ground. See, here it is. Here's what belongs to you. I kept it safe and sound. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money in deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least had the interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the man who has the ten talents. For everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a hard, hard saying of Jesus Christ. He didn't even lose it. <laughs> it's not like he lost the money. He just didn't do anything with it. Isn't that interesting? That's something to, to ponder here. That it seems that to the master, the bigger sin wasn't losing it or even investing it. It was not doing anything with it. That was what got this guy in trouble. Several things that, that this parable that Jesus is talking about that remind me about being a steward, and this is something I've got to remind myself, I should do it about every two or three months to consciously sit down and remember, it's been several months, which is why I need to take a look at this one. I've got to keep it in my head because my culture, my training, my bringing, my upbringing, my family, everything else goes contrary to what Scripture is going to tell me here in just a moment. And I have to remember to... to to look at the word, to sit down and say, this is what is true, to kind of break through how I've been conditioned, because this is what this parable really tells us. First of all, if you're a steward or a trustee, the assets belong to the owner. Did you think you owned something? Let me just give you a little hint. You own nothing. Not a thing. Now, the problem is we, we use that language all the time, don't we? My house, my family, my kids, my car, my shirt, my watch, my shoes, my body, my voice, my time. And once that seeps in and it, and it creeps into our mentality, it creeps into the, to the way that we think, pretty soon we forget that we're stewards, Okay? Which is really a huge deal. As a steward, what I remember is everything that I think I own, I don't really own. I have temporary custody of these things. That's all. I've been entrusted with a certain amount of time and talents and money and, 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 and abilities. And, and I've turned them into other things like cars and shoes and shirts and watches and stuff like that. But I still don't really own all that stuff. It all belongs to someone else. See, the Lord made everything. He, before anything else existed, there he was. 
He created all the stuff that we have around here. See, nobody created any of this. We took stuff that God had already created and we reformed it. We reshaped it. We, we cut it down and we planed it into a little bitty pulpit or, or we, we grew it and we, we turned it into fabric. But we don't make anything. It all belonged to him long before we ever showed up. And if people walked away and they just disappeared off the planet, it all belonged to him again. He gets it all. We get temporary custody. Everything I have has been loaned to me, entrusted to me. That's what it means to be a steward. Now, the next thing to remember here is also is that there's lots of different kinds of, of assets as we're talking about the word assets if we want to be you know, technical about it. The idea of stewardship goes way beyond money. And the problem is every time we start talking about a subject like this, some of us shut down because all we think of is money. Money. They're just looking for more money. Actually, what I'm asking and what I'm looking for today is for us to become better stewards of everything. That includes money, by the way. I'm not afraid to say that. But in there. So many... Let me give you just a partial list of uh, the assets that we all have. Right here. Did you know your life is an asset? It's been loaned to you? You don't own it. We'll talk about that. You don't. Time. Health. My father has given me a certain amount of health. Some people have less health. Some people have other issues that they face. Okay? My father's given me a certain amount of health. So far, not too bad. What do I do with that? Am I being a good steward of my health? Talents. All of us have talents and abilities. You have talents and abilities because you were born. And as you were born, you were given talents and abilities. But you were also given talents and abilities when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You were given gifts of the Spirit. These are special spiritual gifts that allow each one of us to fulfill our place within the kingdom. And you've been given that gift. The scripture says every single one of us has. Are we being a good steward of that gift? Family. What a gift. Sometimes it's a hard gift. But it's a gift. Now what do we do with that family? I've seen families who've taken that gift and they haven't been stewards of that. They treated it poorly. The possessions that we have. Oh, man. We had a garage sale last week. And it... I always feel guilty at garage sales. uh, Because there was a time that everything that we sold for pennies on the dollar was so important that we went out and spent money on it. And we were so excited to bring it home. Look at this new thing we've got. And several years later, we, we put it out on a table out on my driveway and sell it for 50 cents. Why did I think I needed that thing? If it was only worth 50 cents. And here's what really makes me feel guilty. When we're all done, it's like we didn't lose anything. We still have as much junk putting back in the garage for the next garage sale as we always had. I don't know how this happened. Some of us have so much stuff that we can't keep, you know, we all have the whole closet that's just stuffed with, but some of us, that's not enough. We have a storage locker somewhere that we pay just to store the stuff that doesn't even fit in our homes. It's amazing. All the possessions we have now, before you feel guilty about you know, having possessions, it's okay, you're going to find out in just a little while, God wants you to have the stuff. Just take care of it. Remember, it's not yours. Be a good steward of it all. Money. And finally, we get to money. This is the one that that whenever we talk about something like this, people go, money, money, money. Well, being a steward is a whole lot more than just money. Hmm. Matter of fact, if you take a look at that list, you're going to find something that's why I put money on, on the end of that list and not first. Because quite frankly, most of the things on that list are more important than money. Money's important. Try to live without it. It's tough. But don't trade your life or your time or your health or your talents and especially your family for money. 
Lots of things on that list are far more important. Next thing about being a steward is this. A steward or trustee, as we just saw within this little parable that Jesus told, is accountable for what we've got. Okay, we all have a bunch of stuff. We've got life and talents and time and family and all that. And a steward will be held accountable. A trustee will. There is a day of reckoning for every single trustee out there. Whether that trustee is trustee over a checking account for somebody or an estate or whatever it is, there is a day of reckoning when you have to go back to the owner and say, this is what I did with what you gave me. And there is a day of reckoning coming. I will have to give an answer for every garage sale I've ever had. Now, that doesn't mean garage sales are bad. It's just sometimes we, we, we invest in something and we, and we use it up. We don't need it any longer. We've gotten more than our money's worth of value out of that thing. Let's pass it on to someone else and I can sell it for a little bit and they get a good deal because it's cheap and I get a little money back. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying the garage sales are bad. But I will have to give an account. Why did you think it was so important to buy that in the first place? Did you get a good use out of that? As you had it for all those years, was it worthwhile? Was that investment okay? And then did you pass it on at, a, at either a good price or to give it away? And I, as I'm looking at these garage sale items, I'm thinking, you know what? Most of the stuff that's sitting out here, we paid good money for, but we got our money back in usage time and time again. It was a good investment. And a few things I look at and go, why did I ever buy that in the first place? I never used it didn't need it, and now I'm selling it for a buck. That was a mistake. Garage sale is a really good time to find out if you're a trustee or a steward. <laughs> so you look at all the stuff you're trying to sell. Did you get your money's worth out of that? If you knew you were going to sell it for 50 cents, would you buy it originally? If you went back, or do you go back and say, oh, boy, that was a mistake. That Every now and then, every garage sale, I go, that was a mistake, that was a mistake, that was a mistake. It wasn't a good investment for me. We're going to give an account. Sometimes we, uh, we forget that. Sometimes we forget that we're um, trustees and stewards of everything. And we think we own it. And we say things like this, you know, it's mine. I can do what I want. No. It's not and you can't. If you think that way, then you're not a steward or a trustee. I'm not hurting anybody but myself. First of all, your actions are probably hurting people who love you. And so you are hurting somebody besides yourself. But second, you don't belong to yourself. You don't get to do with yourself anything you want. You can't say, well, this is my body. I can do what I want. The answer is no, it's not. It's not your body and it's not your life. You don't own it. Someone else owns it. And you're a trustee. So you can't just do whatever you want. Even your life is a gift. And it does not belong to you. Someone created you. And it belongs to him. Next thing about a steward is the steward manages. Okay, so, so we've got lots of different things out there. We, we, we understand all of that. And, and a steward is, is, uh, is accountable. They understand it doesn't belong to them. They're accountable. And, and our job, therefore, since we have to give an account back to it, is our job is to manage that. Everything that we have, the money that we have, the time that we have, the talents that we have, we become managers. It would be great if all of us could take some great classes in management. But let's face it, some of you have not been given the gift of management, have you? Management is not your talent. It's okay. Don't panic. That just means you need help from some other individuals who will help you manage your time or your talents or your treasure, that sort of thing. Some people... That's just not their strong point. Okay, that's why God created us all 
to help one another. But we're going to have to manage. We have to care and protect it and use it wisely. And don't just say to yourself, you can bring it in and treat it however you want and then throw it away. That's not good management. We're talking about management of the things we own. We're talking about management of the earth. The Christians of this world should be the best managers of the planet. And sometimes we are not. Sometimes we are more equated with the exploiters of the planet than the managers of the planet. Now, I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't you know, have industries. I'm just saying that, guys, sometimes we think, well, it's our planet. We can do whatever we want to. God gave it to us. Boom. He gave us dominion, as he says in Genesis chapter 1, thinking that that means we can do whatever we want to do. But the planet never belonged to us. Never, never, never. It belongs to him. And he's asked us to manage it. And the wildlife and the things in this creation that cannot manage themselves. He's given us the spirit and the wisdom and the time and the talents to be good managers of the planet. But more, a steward also does this and a trustee. So you manage it. It isn't yours. We know that. It's not ours. We know we're going to give an account for it. So we manage it. But then did you notice something within the, within the, the story? He actually expects us to increase it a little bit. So that everything's a little bit better. Now, increasing doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I've got, a, I've got a nice belly and I should just increase that belly. We're not talking about that. That happens anyway, but that's not the goal. We're talking about increasing. We mean make it a little bit better. Take it and use it so that whenever something's gone, there's, there's a benefit. When we leave this planet, that the world is a little bit better because we walked it. When we purchase things, we use that to make lives, our life and the life of people around us a little bit better so that when that thing is used up, there was value in it. That's what it means also to increase. Why was the master in Jesus' story so upset with the last guy? Because he just didn't increase it at all. At the end of this life, you're going to leave behind more than what you took out. I'm trying to leave behind actually more money. Far more money than was left me from my parents. More assets. But I'm trying to leave behind even more than that. I'm trying to leave behind a little bit better world and a better life for lots of people because I I lived. There's a song at the very end of, of the play Wicked. And by the way, uh, if you've never seen the play Wicked, I would highly recommend it. It is not at all what you think it might be. All right, When you see the title Wicked, you think, hmm. No, it's a great, great play. The very end, and the two main characters who had struggled throughout the whole play sing a song as two ladies who look at each other and say, you know, because I know you, because I knew you, I've been changed for good. Wow. What a wonderful thing to be able to say at the very end of your life. I helped people be better. To look at someone as I was able to see my father-in-law over the past couple of months before he passed, to look at my father-in-law and to know that Because I knew him. I'm a different person. They're the ones that brought me to the Lord in the first place. My mother-in-law and father-in-law. I'm planning when I retire in several years from now to leave behind about four or five or six free Methodist pastors who weren't pastors before I started that I've been able to train and, and send out. Isn't that great? To be able to leave people better off than they were that's i want that's what it means to increase we're not talking about just more money all the things that we have in leaving the world better now how do we do that then how how do we do we make the world how do we increase our finances how do we increase our talents and our time and these other things well we do it by doing this a steward therefore not only does all of these things that we talked about it's not just being accountable or managing or it's about investing and invest, what is your investment strategy for life, huh? Do you have one? Because <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you have one. 
Let me tell you just a little bit now. You haven't heard this story quite yet. Some of you have, but it's time to hear the rest of it. Susie Page, wonderful lady, part of this church for probably 10 or 15 years. Most of you have never even heard of Susie Page. You don't even know who she was, do you? No, that's okay. Very quiet. That's just the way Susie was. But what you didn't know is she had an investment strategy. And long ago, she began to invest some money, even though she never made a lot of money. And by the time she passed, she was sitting right over there, as a matter of fact, and it was just a few months ago that she passed, she was worth about $1.8 million. And you never knew that, did you? Some of you are sitting next to a multimillionaire and had no idea. She's a sweetie. She also has left the church a little bit of that. Thank you, Father, for that. That's wonderful. We're receiving some of that from the estate. I've talked with the lawyers, and we'll be using that once again as we've used other gifts of that nature right back in here to help the building and to help these other things because we don't put it into, we don't pay salaries. We pay salaries through our normal giving. We use this for projects. What an investment, a little bit here, and she gave it to the, I think it was Merrill Lynch, and Merrill Lynch turned her little bitty money over the years and years and years into a sizable fortune, and even her family was shocked when they found out the size of her estate. I sat down with them, and they went, we couldn't believe it. That's what an investment strategy will do for you. Okay. But I'm not just talking about an investment strategy for your money. What's your investment strategy for everything you've been given? Possessions, what's the investment strategy? You've been given time, what's the investment strategy? You've been given talents, what's the investment strategy? Your possessions and your money. Okay? What is your strategy? Now, I don't mean to, to imply that that means you've got to be moving and doing things all the time. You know, like, like, well, I've got to invest my time wisely so I can't even sleep more than two or three hours a night because I've got to get out there and be doing and doing and doing things. That's not what we're talking about with an investment strategy. What we are talking about is, okay, are we investing our time and our talents, possessions, money, everything else, are we investing them wisely in such a way that they actually have a return on that investment? I'm investing them in such a way that they're actually increasing. I'm investing them in such a way that I'm actually bringing glory to the kingdom of God through my time and talents and family and possessions and money and everything else that I have. That's the investment strategy which means there are times that we have to invest in our physical and emotional and spiritual and mental health through relaxation and recreation. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus did it. Jesus pulled away. That was an investment. So you have to begin to think in terms of, do you want to take a little time off? Good. Do you see there's an investment in your own health? Jesus did. He would get away. He would pray. He invested in himself. That's all that it means to be. Now, I want to share this with you. Okay, ready? Here it is. This is the good news. Rejoice because the owner of all that you have, the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Father, wants us to invest most of what he entrusts with us in ourselves and our families. Isn't that good news? He does. He wants you to invest most of what he's given you right back in yourself and in your families. He wants your time and your talents and everything else, your finances, your possessions, invested back in you and invested in the people and your family around you. That's how our Father operates in his gracious, wonderful love for us. Take a look at this passage. Because there was a time when people were saying, okay, you know what, um, whatever God has given me, I'm, I can't help my family with it, I'm going to give it all to the church. If you ever come to me and say, you know, I don't want to give it to my family, I'm not going to help my family, I'm going to give it all to the church, I'm going to say, be careful. Because this is what scripture says. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He's writing this to people who wouldn't work, just taking welfare and not even working hard for the people around them, and... Paul writes and says, uh-uh. In Jesus' time, there were a group of people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees sometimes get a bad rap. They weren't all bad, but some of them did some bad things. And one of the things was they would take all their stuff, their possessions, and rather than help their families with it, they would say, you know what? I'm going to dedicate it all to God, which is called, remember the word? We have a university right down the road that's called that, dedicated to God. It's the word Corbin. Sure, Corbin. 
That's the word that they use to say everything is now dedicated to God. So that when their family members or their parents would come and say, because there's no social security, nothing like that, and their parents would come and say, I can't work anymore. Can you help support me? The Pharisees would go, I'd love to. I'd just love to help you out. But I've dedicated all to God. It's for him now. So um, good luck. Let me know how it goes. Keep in touch. And they were doing that. And this is what Jesus said. He said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have gotten for me or received from me is Corban, the gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God, and by your tradition you've handed down, and you do many such things like that. In other words, these people didn't understand that most of what God has given to us. Thank you, Father. He says, I want you to invest it right back in yourself and your family. Isn't that good? That's good news for us. Hey? So again, rejoice. The owner wants us to invest most of what he's given us in ourselves and our families, but not all of it. And that's where we get into trouble, isn't it? That's amazing. Sometimes we, uh, we forget. And that's when we stop being stewards. We, we think, well, it's mine. I can do whatever I want. It's all for me. Well, no, that's not how it works. You get to use most of it. And our Father's happy to let you use most of it. He wants you to invest it right back in yourself and your family. But not all of it. I came across this quote a long time ago. Let me put it up here so you can see it. It's from the complete book of Christianity. Many people give donations, and there's where we are. So we're going to finish up this time. Because some of us are, are in the donation mindset, and we've got to stop that. The problem is we still call it donations, and we give you a donor receipt. That's too bad. Many people give donations. The Bible calls us to stewardship. Donations imply that we're the owners, and out of the generosity of our hearts, we're giving some to others. Stewardship implies that it all belongs to God and is used for God's purposes. Donation spirituality is self-affirming and calculated for effect. Stewardship spirituality is other-directed and awarding. In other words, donation spirituality is, you know, I'm so good, I'm so holy, I'm going to give money away. Aren't I wonderful? Stewardship says, I want to give because it's right to do so and it has nothing to do with me. Donation spirituality looks for a thank you from the recipient. Stewardship spirituality aims at well done when the Lord returns. Hmm. So you see, here's where it really comes down to. This is what I have to remember. Mid-year, but probably about every three months, I need to sit down and, and read this sermon to myself, okay? And remind myself that our Father isn't looking for donors. He's looking for stewards. He's looking for stewards, not donors. And I started thinking about my own approach to giving. And so here's the question that I have to ask myself on that regular basis. And, and I haven't done it for a while, which is why we're doing it this morning. One of the reasons is simply this. Am I a steward or am I a donor? Have I fallen into that donor mentality? There's the thing. I've got to, let me show you the difference. Ready? Right here. Donor maintains ownership. A steward never had ownership. It was never mine. I'm just a manager. A donor gives his or her money. I'm going to give you my money. A steward invests the master's money. When I give to the church and the ministries of the church, I am investing in the kingdom of God. Just like when I give my money to a stockbroker, or when I purchase a piece of real estate, as we have done, we were able to invest in a home in Florida a few years ago when the home prices were low. We invested money in real estate. I didn't just give money. I invested it expecting a return. I invest when I give to my church. As a matter of fact, it's the best investment I can make. Will it become more money? No, probably not. But there are some things that are worth a whole lot more than money. 
Will it help set people free? Will it send the youth to Creation Music Fest where some of them will really be strengthened in the Lord? Will it set up the children's program where these kids get to first hear the kingdom of God? Will it meet the needs of some of the people in our community who come to our after-school program? You bet it will. And it's the best investment I can make. A donor expects gratitude. As a matter of fact, we're actually taught, and I don't do it, by the way, but we're taught that we should have special uh, dinners and things like that for the people in the church who give the most. Believe it or not, I'm taught that. I'm supposed to do that. I don't, never have, never will. You can give us $100,000 or give us $1,000. You don't get anything more. I'm not going to have a special dinner for you to say, you $100,000, thank you so very much. Sorry, I won't do it. But I am taught to do that. I just don't. Because if you're looking for gratitude, then, uh, well, I still would love your money, but uh, you're probably better off just keeping it until you get your head right. And our Father will provide our needs a different way. A steward gives out of obedience. Man, I'm supposed to do this. God's given me this gift. I need to give it back. A donor focuses on the gift. A steward Focus on what's left. The donor says, look at, oh, man, I just hate to see that money go, but isn't it wonderful that I'm able to give this money? And the steward looks, look at everything else I get to keep. Thank you, Father. And if you really want to thank you, then go spend a little time in a third world country. I spent a month last fall, you know, in in Malawi. (laughs) And I still remember the guy, after we gave them some money, remember we gave them each a a lot of money in their currency, and... uh, it enabled this one guy to buy a sack of fertilizer. And uh, he had to walk home the next 60 miles with the fertilizer on his head. And he made up a song as he was going because he was so happy that he had a bag of fertilizer that will help his crops grow. Now, when you're rejoicing and you make up a song about a bag of fertilizer on your head, it puts everything else in perspective, okay, guys? (laughs) Thank you, Father, for all that I've A donor gives to fulfill duty. A steward feels equally responsible for what is left. In other words, a donor says, okay, I've done my duty, I've given my little bit, now leave me alone, the rest is mine. And a steward says, it was never mine, none of it. I give, but what I have left, I'm equally responsible for, and I will give an account. I don't own any of that as well. I think I may have told you this one time ago, long ago, but let me remind you. My own journey uh, when I came into the church, and, and not just coming into the church growing up and then becoming an adult and suddenly earning more money than I ever thought that I would earn, even as a pastor, I, it's just a phenomenal thing the way that God has blessed. I've been able to go through, through school and get graduate degrees and go around the country. I mean, the world has been phenomenal what my father's done for me. But I had to, I had to grow up in my giving because I started out as a donor. A happy donor, but a donor, okay? I'm giving God my money, and I'm really glad about that, okay? Then I realized at one point how much it actually costs to run a ministry. This is long before I actually realized how much it takes. For instance, this church right here will go through between four hundred dollars and $500,000 this year. And that's, for well, to put it another way, I've been here 10 years. We've already gone through between four and $5 million since I've been here. It's a lot of money. Most people don't think that. And I realized then that uh, my father was, was asking me to give and to be a steward even more than I was because I was putting $5 in the yeah, That's great. Here's my five bucks. And then I began to be aware of my father's stewardship call on my life and, and realized that to be part of all of this, he was asking me to give more because he'd given me more. And I became an unhappy donor because I could sit there as I wrote the check going, what could I do with that money? Do you know how many new cars I could have purchased? Do you know how many boats I could have purchased? How, many, how much I, I could do with that money? Because I was still a donor. That's how donors think. Over time, however, I, I began to grow up in him, and through his word and through his spirit, I began to realize that my thinking was all wrong. That um, I was thinking like a donor, that I was giving my money And I began to realize that one of the best places that I could ever invest 
even in my giving financially, was in the church. Because here's where the work really gets done. So as we just bring this all together, just some questions, you know. Where are you investing? Where are you investing time and talents and money? And Have you made that transition from donor to steward? Some of us are still donors, aren't we? Okay. God loves you. It's nice to have you here. Welcome. We're not going to kick you out. We'll continue to pray for you. And maybe you're going to be a donor for your whole life. All right. I think the master may have some interesting words for you one day, but it's all right. But what I would hope is that by being part of who we are, by being shaped by the Spirit, we would become stewards more than donors. We started today with a couple of questions. Let's remember those questions. First of all, based on what I have, does my offering adequately reflect my gratitude? That's a good question to ask yourself. Father, you've given me so much. Am I being able, my gratitude, my thanks, does it overflow and is my giving matching that? And am I adequately sharing the blessings the Lord has given me? But the final one is this. Am I acting as a faithful steward, a trustee of all that the Lord has entrusted to me? And by that, I don't mean just money. My time and my health and my family. Have I grown up to the point where I can stand before the Lord? Just as we do with baby dedications, you know, we say to them, remember what the baby dedication means is you're acknowledging you don't own the baby. You can say my baby, but you don't own the baby. You are a trustee of the baby. Want to be something to stand up here and bring all of our possessions one day, you know? Empty your house and we'll parade them through and we'll have a possessions dedication. Do you own this refrigerator? No, I don't. It's God's refrigerator. Are you taking care of it? How about the stuff in it? Because that's what it means to be a trustee and a steward. So finally, are you a donor? Or are you a trustee and steward? Honestly, I have to continually fight that battle. Because every now and then, my mind, because I'm raised that way, I'm trained that way, my culture enforces it, I fall back into the mindset of a donor. This is mine, and out of my gracious wonderfulness, I will bless you with it. No. It's all his. And as a trustee, I will learn to manage, increase, invest with everything he's given. Thank you, Father. We just appreciate the, the, the reminder. Now, Father, we've heard this all before, many of us anyway, and we've, we've heard it time and time again, and yet you know our hearts. You know that pretty soon we can fall back into that uh, ownership mentality, the donor mentality. Father, we don't own a thing. What a freedom to be able to say that. But then, Father, comes that responsibility also of making sure that all that you've entrusted to us, we do a good job with. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, continue to change our hearts and our minds and our attitudes about all that we have so that we can be the stewards and trustees. Because what we want to hear is those words at the very end. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and receive the master's blessing. Father, it's the blessing we rejoice in. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to take just a